Hi, I'm Susanna Kalchich and you're listening to Life in Practice podcast. I'm curious about the big questions in life and how we can experience more meaning and fulfillment every day. Join me as my guests share their challenges, successes and what it means to put our purpose, our values and our lives in practice. Hello and welcome to Life in Practice podcast. This is your host Susanna and today my guest is Vicky Alhadef. Uh, Vicky is a animal behaviorist, a writer and a vegan. Welcome Vicky. Thank you very much. So Vicky and I uh, both connected over actually having a stutter and we met at a at a Toastmasters clubs and um, yeah so we had a lot to to share about our um, struggle and experience of stuttering and also wanting to work on our speech and become better speakers. Um, Vicky, so um, what was unusual about you was your stutter actually started, was it when you were 19? That's right. Um, it was my second year at university. Mm-hmm. I would, I'd moved in to live with, with my mother because she'd moved to Cape Town University. I'd, um, I'd left Zimbabwe to go to a university um, quite far from Zimbabwe on purpose. But um, um, her, her, her husband died, my stepfather died, and she moved to Cape Town. And it was a very tough year. We had a very challenging relationship and clashed all the time. And I developed a stammer, um, which was quite mortifying um, because all of a sudden I couldn't speak fluently. And and for the rest of my university career, um, as, as I became aware that I could stammer, I, I began to speak less and less um, or, 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 or instead I'd speak as fast as I possibly could to, to avoid inflicting my stammer on other people, which meant that because I was speaking faster, I stammered even more and blocked even more, and then people didn't have a clue what I was trying to say, and so basically stopped speaking for about three years. Wow. And did that... Um, did you Do you, do you think that your uh, stuttering... Um, happened because of uh, the relationship that you had with your mom? Yes, completely. Um, I mean, the actual situation was I'd been on a trip and and one of the guys on the trip um, came to visit me. And I knew she was listening with her ear to the wall. And I was so tense. I wasn't even interested in the guy, but I was still very tense. And and because I knew she was there, I I stammered. And I was shocked to hear myself stammer because I'd never stammered so badly before and um and then afterwards she said you know what, what were you talking like that for as if it was deliberate and then then a few days later there was another quite tense situation and I stammered and then I just became aware that I could and and because I started focusing on it I naturally started to stammer and then it became a habit mm. yeah that that I imagine that must have been quite scary because especially at that age to have something like that happen completely especially I was I was shy at the best of times <laughs> so um so, so to have a stammer on top of being shy just was um made speaking and having relationships kind of virtually impossible mm. 
But did you seek out some therapy or anything to, to help you or was it or like, did you feel very ashamed of it? Initially, for quite a few years, I, I was just very ashamed of it and and basically became mute. And then only a few, a few years, so when I was about 22, so a few years later, I was, I was working at um, another, I was working at a university in Johannesburg and there was a speech clinic at the university and I started to go for speech therapy then. And, and I learned I learned a, a technique which was very helpful. Mm. Um, what was the technique? It was called continuous phonation, mm. where, you, where you slow your speech right down and then start building it up to, to kind of a, a and a good speed, but um, and continuous phonation meant that I wasn't having a break between any words, and when you don't have a break, then there's no time, there's no possibility to stammer. Oh wow! And and it worked, but then I I moved to London for eighteen months mm. and I forgot to practice. Mm. And what do you think about techniques like that? Because I find that maybe they're kind of almost like a like a band-aid to mm. cover the symptoms because realistically are you really going to speak like that yes yes it's i mean the idea was to teach a new habit of speaking mm -hmm. so but it did require a lot of practice and and and, and i think i agree that it was more more of a band-aid because un unless i continued to practice um it, it just fell away which is what happened mm -hmm. and then um and then it was only many years later when i moved to london again or moved to the UK again, mm -hmm. that I found the city lit. Mm. And tell me a bit about like the psychological toll that it took um, when you were uh, like, especially at university and growing up, trying to form friendships and uh, and relationships. How did how did that affect you? Did you have like anxiety or depression or anything like that? With a stammer, yeah, yes, yes, huge. Um, in in my, at university when I began to stammer, I I did um, in my second year especially I went into depression. My third year I moved into a house with friends, but I I I think I spent a couple of months not get, being able to go to to lectures. I was I was yeah I became very very depressed, mm. um, and also because I, I at that point I was. You know, 19, I couldn't see a way out. I didn't really know about psychotherapy. Or, well, I didn't. I mean, I'm, I I'd actually, I was studying psychology, so I didn't know about psychotherapy. But but I, I, I wasn't applying. I didn't think to apply it to myself or to seek it, mm. seek it out myself. And why did you feel that um, almost like that your situation seemed a bit hopeless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was stuck, and, I, and sometimes um, I think, um, well, I find if I'm too depressed, then then I don't seek help. But if I'm just getting out of it, that that's when I start researching courses and ways to help me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Uh, how do you get fr from from that point when you're like really depressed and you just you just can't do anything, to get that kind of like oh well maybe maybe there is some hope maybe if I try this. Because I think a lot of people mm. go through that. Yeah, I think um, I do have to sink to the bottom, and the, well, obviously not the to total bottom, but but then I think I think there's an element that's an optimistic in me, and and I'm very curious, and and I do love courses. Um, I mean, friends laugh at me at the amount of courses that I do, but but you know I've learned, and, and I mean I always I always study for the rest of my life because. Mm -hmm. you, you know, there's so much, there's so much to learn. And, mm. and, and I think it's, I think it's that 
bit of optimism in me that drives me to to seek out something that can help me and and even if it's and, and also reading i love reading and 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 i learned um one of the trips i'd been on in that at, in that second year was was to go to Botswana to study bird density and vegetation growth and and, and be in this beautiful wildlife reserve with with all the all the amazing animals that are in Botswana well in Africa mm-hmm. and and that made me want to study that made me want to study animal um, want to study um, animals mm-hmm. and animal want to study ethology the study of animal behavior um, Initially, then it was wildlife, but you know mm-hmm. later on I went to become study companion animals, who are as, every bit as fascinating mm. as wildlife. Absolutely, yeah, and especially because we've got a much closer relationship to them as well. Exactly, exactly, mm. and and they need well, the, I mean they they need help because they're living with us, and we have such a different needs. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, but I just want to go back a bit because I think. Um, one of the reasons why I think that you're such a great guest to have is that, you know, you're during the course of your life, you face so many uh, challenges and I feel like your um, uh, resilience and your compassion is just shining through. And um, yeah, and I'd love to I'd love to know a bit more about um, what that what that road has been like for you. Because I know what you mentioned before, I think in your early life, some of the the major struggles was that um, the challenging uh, relationship you had with with your mum, and then which that which you think um, triggered then um, having a ha- having a a a stutter. Yeah. And did the did the um, relationship with your mum also have an impact on your self esteem? It did completely. Yeah. But um, and ironically, our relationship, it helped me. I think it helped me to become maybe to become more compassionate because because growing up in Zimbabwe, it was it was a racist country. And um, and our family had, you know, we had a gardener, um, you know, and and people who, who worked for us. And and I, 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 I hated how they were treated. And so I, I just knew it was wrong from five and 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 I'd go out of my way just to befriend everybody, and just have a nice relationship. And 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 so so I think because maybe because I was treated in a similar way, and always felt I was always felt wrong and in trouble. I could relate to other people who were treated similarly, and 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 I formed like an internal connection with them. And but I just knew it was wrong to treat, and I thought especially because they were adults, it just seemed even worse to treat them so badly and and that helped me become um like an anti-apartheid campaigner when I went to university that was my motivation to go to university to protest against apartheid amazing and and so and, and so in a way um I did a family talk where actually I um once my mother had passed on I could actually I I was able to thank her because through my stammer I, I, I went to speech therapy without speech therapy I, I I wouldn't have discovered King speakers mm. and become a better public speaker because uh, otherwise I'd just become I'd probably have meant been just this very shy person who never who was just shy and never got out of her comfort zone but because I, I really wanted to to speak fluently and then and then speak up for people and then speak up for animals 
I, I, th- that's why I, I went on the therapy courses, which, and then a friend of, a friend of mine met Tony, who, who led me to King Speakers. And, and, and I think since King Speakers, I've never had as much confidence as ever before. And that's because, um, as you say, at every meeting, um, just speak up, just take on a role, do something, um, even if it's just impromptu speaking. And, and that's really helped me grow and, yeah, and, and just speak, speak up mm-hmm. as much as I can. That's so true. And just um, what you're saying about, like, had you not had a stutter, you probably would not would have done all that work. Because I find, um, like, even, like, when I speak to people who are fluent, um, yeah, I think they really take for granted um the value that their voice has and um i think when something is well i wouldn't say like completely taken Mm. taken away from you but when it's when it's a struggle uh, it gives you even more drive to want to overcome it absolutely and i started to love the english language i remember especially after the city lit course i just started to enjoy each word and they were just like english is the most beautiful language (laughs) And it's, yeah, it really made me start to love, to love language. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just want to ask again, just um, in regards to your mum and to self-esteem, because I think self-esteem is just so key when we're, when we're growing up. Yeah. And um, I think, to be honest, developing self-esteem is one of the most important things that that we have to do because it affects um, well how we treat ourselves, um, how mm-hmm. we are in relationships with others, whether we you know take on job opportunities. It has such a big impact. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a, yeah. Growing up, growing up, I did feel um, because I was often accused of being a monster. I was I was I was killing my mother. She sacrificed her life for me, and or for us. And um, and I was just ungrateful and a monster a lot of the time. And and I took that on. And um, and, and I did feel unworthy and um, and just useless. And and I think which is why I, I struggled to speak up. Mm. And and then and then probably naturally fell into a stammer. Um, yeah. And and at the and the self esteem is taken decades to to become to overcome but um you know because she she actually suggested speech and drama which i thought never in a million years why would i ever want to speak up and um yeah and then um w- w- when the time was right i, I did <laughs> but but yeah so, so self-esteem it, it did affect me and um i remember my, my first boss puncher at Wits university he said i was like a frightened butterfly um but but he but he was fantastic in and just helping me um and yeah it, it affected me with yeah with relationships i was i was just yeah just pathetically shy mm. But I think um, what comes across to me from what you're saying is you did, though, have confidence in your voice to stand up for other people. Because if you're we're protesting against um, yes. um, apartheid and um, so what gave you the uh, the courage and the and the drive there to to stand up for others? I think it was just I think an internal sense of justice. 
probably we all born with it and then maybe get just get squashed out in different ways. But I think it was one thing I retained. And also because my sister is seven years older than me. And so when I was 10, she was participating in protests. And I couldn't, and because she was, so she was my inspiration to go um, from the age of 10. to, And I was very proud of her that she was campaigning against all the injustices happening in South Africa. And so, so, so that was, so, so I had a good role model when I was a child, um, but even though I mean I, I was aware of it from 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 young, but but she, but that was just an added impetus to go to carry on. Um, yeah, so so that was that was yeah, and, and I also had a cousin who was arrested, and I was very proud for anti-apartheid activities, mm-hmm. and I'm very proud of her as well. <laughs> so I think any 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 injustice, and and I think because we'd suffered injustice, I mean you can't compare, you know, um, life at home to to the real injustices of 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 the blacks of South Africa and Zimbabwe, I mean, but but just more in the sense of just not feeling understood, um, and that I, I could I, I really wanted to help help that. Mm. And I think, um, do you think that actually helped your self esteem as well? Because because um, I think um, how can I put it? Like when you do like good for. Others, when you when you when you uh, when you support others, mm. you're adding value, and therefore it makes you feel more worthy because you're actually contributing something positive to the world. Yeah, and I always feel like as if I'm in the right place, doing the right thing when I'm helping. Yeah, whereas people, yeah, whatever I'm when I'm wherever I'm helping, it always feels this is where I'm meant to be. And I always think I think always think with my, my I think my life's purpose is to always help. Mm. And and that's where I feel it's right, and yeah, and I think and that's so, so that would help my self esteem because also you with other like minded people, and and you all doing something together. I, I think I enjoy. I mean, I do stuff on my own, you know, like speaking in schools or exi- or photographic exhibitions. But at the same time, um, I also enjoy just having a work working with like minded friends and people. To, to the same goal yeah so, so that definitely would help mm. um self-esteem yeah I, I definitely agree and um so you know you've kind of been going through all that and then um you moved to South Africa and um what I find then the next part of of the story it's just you've been doing all this like really good stuff and then you know <laughs> you um you face like a very um a very huge in 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 justice yourself yeah um yeah the incidence of rape in south africa is very high i think it's one in four and 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 in 1990 um it was a week before mandela was due to be released i was i was raped um by two people um and I wasn't sure if I would survive because one of them threatened to kill me. And and I just thought, this is such bad timing. So Africa's about to be free and I'm about to be killed. Um so so it was it was yeah, it was obviously the most terrifying experience of my life. Can I, so I, can can you talk us through it? Uh, how uh, how did it like how were you even put in that in that situation where you were you were you were facing that threat? I lived in a in a flat which is like um, parallel to to a very um, busy, active, very nice street, 
um, in in Johannesburg, um, and, and and I just had a craving for a Greek salad one night, and I went and I, so it was, it was quite it was about ten o'clock, and I was coming back to my flat, and and my cat was on the outside ledge, and I went to cuddle him, and I was just aware of this man approaching me um, purposefully. And I just thought, oh, no, he, he wants my bag. And so I just gave it to him. I wasn't going to argue about it. And But then he grabbed my arm saying, no, he wants more. He wants me. And, and he showed me a knife and he said, if you scream, I'll kill you. But, I mean, I wasn't capable of screaming anyway. I, I, just, I think I just shut down. Um, and he marched me across the road um, to the garage underneath a block of flats. And... and and then he raped me, um, and then there's another, and then I heard footsteps, and he turned towards him, and he did a thumbs up sign, and I thought, oh my gosh, not, and anyway, so, so after both of them, they, they left, thank goodness, he asked me my name, and I made up some name, he asked me where I lived, I made up some faraway suburb, and, and I closed my eyes, because I didn't want to have their faces etched into my brain, so, so later on, I couldn't identify them, you know, for the police anyway, but 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 then um, I I have had a, had a good friend and he was always in, in clubs on this busy street Rocky Street, and I went to find him, you know, like a one in the morning, and and he he took me straight to his friend who was she was a counselor, and she was amazing because she said you can one hundred percent recover from rape, and I and I believed her and. She gave me a shot of whiskey. I generally don't drink, but I gobbled it. I gulped it down, and she said, "You know." And she just gave me strategies. You know what what I, what I can do: go to the police, go to the hospital, and and she and she was just there as a strong support, especially knowing, you know, you can recover from this. Um, and and that's what happened. And I went to the in the hospital. I had to be treated. Well, I had to be tested for every possible STD disease including including HIV um, and and that, that and that was quite dramatic the psychiatrist in the hospital said wouldn't you rather be dead what <laughs> I, I thought and that I, I, I thought then you know she must be trying reverse psychology to think think see if she's got a suicide case on her hands but 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 I thought that, that was a bit bizarre but anyway, but 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 at Banu, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't rather be dead and and so so, so after that, I had, for the next six months, I had to have tests for HIV, and that and the third time I had to have it, I landed up in hospital. I think I just had like a post traumatic stress response, and I um, developed asthma for the first time and double pneumonia. So I nearly mm. died from that. So I was in hospital for a week, um, and the hospital did, I was vegetarian then, not yet vegan, and they didn't really have a clue. Um, so I'd get like half a potato for a meal, and and my friends were amazing, and would bring me food every day and visit me every day, especially my one friend Thelma, and and so 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 that was um, that was another long journey to recovery. Um, yeah, I, I I can imagine just like the complete stress and the the shock and the fear, and um, I imagine did you feel uh, did you feel anger as well and. It there was, must have been so many different things. I, I, I mean, I, 
It just sounds so petrifying. It was huge. It was mainly fear. I, I lived alone, and I didn't know how will I ever live alone again because I just thought, I can't, I can't. So, my, But my friend, Bobby, he, he moved in with me for a week. And I remember one time he just went out to see some friends, and I panicked. I said, and he, and he had to come back. I just couldn't cope. But 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 then it did it did ease up and but I did change my life. I was you know as um, self-employed photographer like day and night and going wherever I was needed. To, you know as a as a press and magazine photographer, and I stopped going out at night doing photography jobs. And and my friend and Thelma she found me another flat, which is in this beautiful location. I mean just up the road, but very it felt and looked very safe and beautiful like land and swimming pool and 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 that and that really helped so changing location and changing just and and I did like um I started to go to a choir that was amazing and helping me just helping me sing beautiful music um but I did ask for a lift to the choir so so, so I did lose a lot of my confidence in in negotiating the city where it had happened so I, I did change my life um and, but I still, I might have carried on doing, doing what I thought I felt safe with. Mm-hmm. And, but, but did do things to, to, strategies to help me do things, but, but where I felt safe and I'd ask for help. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, so important. And it's so amazing that you had that help and support there. Yeah. People were fantastic. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But, um, aside from the kind of practical day-to-day stuff, what about, um, how are you coping uh, emotionally and psychologically, I was seeing I was seeing a, a lot a fantastic therapist. So I, I saw he, I was seeing him and as and, and as well as seeing Joan the the counselor. So so both of them really helped me emotionally, come just just helped how to deal with it and and come to terms with it, and and I also started um, I started Tai Chi, mm. which is a be- you know like a beautiful moving meditation. And that helped me also get some stillness and some peace. So, so singing, which is very, very, I find very therapeutic, singing with a, with a group of people with um, beautiful music, and tai chi, and therapy. I think that those three together help me, mm-hmm. help me just to to come to terms with it and and to live to live again. You know, mm. yeah. Yeah, like you're really proactive about it. I I get the sense you were really <laughs> determined to overcome this and yes, yes, and get your life back. Yeah, I I think I think at, at, um I'm not sure of the timeline, but but I I did want to I didn't want to be stuck and didn't want to be stuck with it and and to just kind of stop my life because of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I can I can imagine like um like how would you ever feel that you can trust somebody like especially people that you don't know how can you trust a man again yeah I mean um it's it's I mean I I find I found um that it was I mean it says because they were strangers and because Mm. I I think it's different yeah it was different to yeah to somebody you know I mean I mean I know that it's it's rife, you know, in in domestic violence as well, you know. But but it's um, I suppose I think that's that probably it's that optimistic part of me. But at the same time, 
I don't take safety for granted. You know, I don't just yeah, I don't I don't just do things because I don't care. So, so you know, I don't just put myself into situations where I, I would feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. So I might be more ca- more a bit more cautious than most people, maybe. But mm-hmm. but but I don't take safety for granted. Um, but I still live a full life. Oh yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see you doing that. And I think um, one of the things I remember in a previous conversation that I think helped you in this um, recovery. I don't know whether would you would you think of it as as a spiritual thing or, but you had a healing dream. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. Yeah. The, the night after it happened, I, I, I had this amazing dream. Um, I, I mean, that same night. That's that same night because I, cu- I couldn't go to sleep. Um, when I, when I got back to the flat, I couldn't go to sleep. I put on faulty towers, um, best therapy, and the, and the, and then I had a dream, and I was walking, I was walking in this beautiful village, um, and it was filled with snow. And I could, I could, and the streets were full of snow, and there's snow on the roofs, and I couldn't, I could smell and feel and taste this, and this whiteness and this purity and the beauty of the snow, and and I knew when I was dreaming that I, I need to needed to hold on to this dream, and remember it, and and I have, and 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 it, because when I'd gone to sleep, I had the sense of just blackness, um, the, to, to, I just everything just seemed really black. Um, but this dream was just the antithesis, antithesis and it was beautiful and, and, and it was very tangible. Mm. You know, the, the, the um, you, know, you know, that, you know, when snow is so clean and pure and you can, it's fresh. And mm. it was, and, and that was a beautiful healing dream. Yeah. And, and, and that helped me because I, I retained that and I still, I still retain that 30 years later. Wow. Yeah. And um, do you, so do you um, uh, b- believe in some kind of higher power or like a spirituality? Do you think or do you think it was just kind of a, uh, a psychological um, experience that kind of helped you like your your mind's way or your uh, or your um, subconscious way? of helping you deal with with what's happened kind of like a like a like a coping mechanism I think I believe in both I mean I do believe our, our minds are amazing yeah because after my best friend died I had another healing dream so so, so I do believe but I do believe that that there's a power greater than us I don't know you know the universe I, I do believe there's 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 more than us and and so I do believe I believe in a spiritual life and and that and that's it's ama- and I do find that it's ama- it's yeah that's quite fascinating and powerful and um, I do be- yeah so, so so with meditation I like meditation I always find incredibly helpful um, and and connecting with nature I find always amazingly healing and helpful always um, the sea swimming in the sea for hours and walking by the sea in the mountains. I find nature very healing. Yeah. So, so I think I, be, I believe. And um, so, I mean, what, what, what's working? I'm not, I believe in both. I think mm-hmm. we do, just fascinating how, how dreams do manifest. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's still something that we still don't know very much. Yeah. Very much about. It's still quite a mystery. Yeah. Um, 
But I wanted to like ask, because when you have something so um, traumatic happen to you and um, how we form um, perceptions and um, and meanings about what happened and did you ever felt that what happened to you like wasn't fair or life wasn't fair or why me did you ever go down that road no I've, I've never no I, I didn't I'm, I'm not sure that's really interesting because I, I mean I don't if, if that happened to me I'd be like oh no why why did this happen to me and you know I'm sure it's very easy to go down and feel like a a a, a victim of circumstance and you just really feel that that injustice I probably thought maybe I thought I deserved it. I don't really? know. I mean, maybe my part of my self esteem is was so low that I didn't even question that these bad things happen. I'm not sure. Wow. But I didn't think why. I didn't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. Or is it because I said it was something so common in South Africa? Yeah. Very common. Very common. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think you're lucky if it doesn't happen to you. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 But that's interesting that you yeah. didn't go down that kind of victim mentality. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I think a lot of my life, because um, I've been, I think I, I lived a lot of my life quite low, quite, and just probably not realizing how that I was just quite low from childhood because of relationships and boarding school, and so, so I think I was probably in a, in a low mentality and always wanting. I did have, I think I had a sense of being misunderstood. Um, and, and so maybe t I was in that state already. So it maybe it wasn't new, if you don't, if you know it, mm. that makes sense. I think so. I think, um, are you trying to say that uh, kind of, you felt kind of so already, as in your words, like low and maybe low self-worth that mm. it's like, well, yeah, like, <laughs> of course, like stuff like this happens. Like, why, why, why would something... <laughs> better happen for me Is yeah that why yeah okay. I, I think so yes wow just more that yeah yeah so it's taken a lot long time uh, and a lot of learning and reading of yeah. of fantastic um, spiritual healers and and well yeah and yeah spiritual healers to kind of learn to to overcome that mm, wow yeah. that's yeah, that's really, really, really powerful. <laughs> really makes you think. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you, you you still have this strength and this hope inside you that things can get better and that yeah. you do deserve to heal from this. Yes, yes, yes. And I th maybe that's the, rebe the rebellious part of me because I've mm. always been a rebel. And that's why I clashed so much with my mother because I was always a rebel. At boarding school, I clashed. I was in trouble all the time, nearly expelled. Um, and so, so, yeah, so um, automatically I rebel against police and, uh, you know, because they're always, they're always they're, they were thugs in South Africa and Zimbabwe. So, so it's hard. So, so that's been, yeah, so, so I, think, I think I've always had a fighting spirit mm. as, as well as so probably like a mixture of both. Low mm. but a fighting spirit. For, yeah. for injustice and yeah mm. well the fighting spirit has served you well that's for sure um so as you were um coming to terms with with what happened um with the with the attack and um 
even though you're like you you were going to therapy, you you were getting support, but your body was kind of communicating to you and like trying to process that this this trauma. Yeah, and a few years a few years later, well, I did because of the, because of what had happened in South Africa, I did start looking to leave South Africa, and I and I moved eventually moved to the UK, and I moved to to Devon, and then. And and then to London, and and in London, I yeah, I, I worked. I was lucky, and I found work as a photographer. And I worked like crazy for ten years because I was freelance, self-employed. Couldn't really say no to a job, otherwise I might go to the next person, and then never ring you again. So so I worked like crazy, and yeah, I was singing choirs. Um, and then um, and then I th- th- there there was a time period, um, quite a narrow time period where. Three of my cats died very close together, and two, um, and and one person who, one a friend who I had become estranged from, um, she took her own life, and 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 Pancho, my my kind of my friend from, the professor of architecture, um, his wife, she did the, she took her own life, and so so there were like five major deaths, and plus working like crazy, and then my body just said. It's enough, <laughs> and I just crashed, and and I and I just and I was I was struggling to take on photography jobs, and eventually I was offered a job, and I said, I can't do it, I can't move, and and then and then I I I had and and then and then I just crashed with with ME chronic fatigue for three years, um, and again I, um I'm also, I'm also very I, I far preferred to do kind of natural methods of healing. Than drugs, and I was in a lot of pain. So maybe it was a bit of fibromyalgia, or I mean, I mean, it was never completely classified. Basically, it was ruling out everything else, and and it kind of left with most EME, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and and I was offered lots of pain-killing drugs, which I didn't want because I wanted to know what was happening in my body. And so, so I so, but eventually, and, and after searching online for for courses and and. And it's very, very doom and gloom on online. Most of the stuff you find, and people are just all these different symptoms, which I didn't really want to keep reading about or hear about more. So, so, but eventually, this little oasis of a course came up. It was an uh, energy excellence course in Wales, and uh, it was a, and the guy who set it up, you know, he'd had Amy for th- ten years, and he he learned techniques to recover, and he'd set up this course. And it was at this beautiful place, the Mumbles. And so, so I booked to go in it like in July. It needed to be summer, potentially hot. And 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 it was the best thing I did to regret because he, I, I learned so many techniques on this course. Um, it was diaphragmatic. Some of them were like proper breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, visualization, meditation techniques, NLP, um, tapping, you know, EFT, and 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 plus plus their own unique little uh, little um, technique on this course and through and through practicing this the course was just three days um, but but the, but the idea is to give you the, the tools to practice for as long as you need them and I practiced intensely for about two or three months and and but even on the course I started to feel better and to get little glimpses of more energy and and that's and that's how I, I recovered from ME chronic fatigue Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, because I got it when I was 50 and I thought, this can't be my life. I can't, my life can't be over now. You know, because I, I literally, could, I was flat on the bed. I couldn't move. I'd have to, if 
I could, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I, I stopped my work, um, and so so it was terrifying. That was that was scary because I, d- I didn't want to be flat on my back, you know, no, the rest of my life. Not, yeah. So 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 this course was like a wonderful oasis, mm. and and it was fantastic. Yeah. So so I learned, but but it took a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I think you only, I suppose, as with everything, I guess you only get what you put in. And and totally. and so so I obviously wanted to get get my life back or a different life back, yeah. And 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 again, also I was also changed career, <laughs> and mm. and that started to change career because um, that was another story. Yeah, no, I just want to find <laughs> I just a, a bit more about the uh, chronic fatigue. So I think um, quite a lot of people um, suffer from that as well, and. Um, it seems to be quite a common thing because uh, from even what you're saying is like I think a lot of people experience overwhelm they have to do this that and there's just so much pressure so much stuff going on and your body just is like oh I need I need to stop I need to rest I need um, so with the techniques and everything that you were doing was it just basically helping your body to like deeply relax and recharge and was it also about um reducing anxiety as well 100 Mm percent because um i think i find a lot of people with me or tend to be i mean i've never thought i was a perfectionist but but or or people who just push themselves too hard and and so so a lot of people who get me are people who just push themselves too hard and never well and never say no and that's probably lack of self-esteem because you think you need to do this better and better and better, harder and harder, and and then and then your body does have limits, and so, and so, so that I think that's one of the characteristics of people with ME, just too hard on themselves and too pushing, and and another thing was that, um, uh, and I also learned that that um, yeah, and, and not being able to say no, <laughs> yeah, not being able to say no is, is a big thing. And maybe also wanting to please people, you know, again, probably also, again, related to self-esteem. So the minute when we can learn self to kind of value oneself and not in a selfish way, but just in a way that, that looking after yourself is, if you're looking after yourself, then you can look after others better. Yeah, totally. And, 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 and it's about that differentiation that, that we, we do matter, we, you know, like as a person, yeah, just, yeah, looking after oneself matters. Um, mm. Yeah. Um. Mm. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with you. I think it's, um, yeah, yeah, I think in this kind of self-love and self-care conversation is like where, where, where what's the fine line between self-love mm. and selfishness? Yeah. And I came across um, a really good quote online. I think it was, I hope I can get it right. It's um, selfishness is when you put your wants before someone mm. else's needs mm. and um like self-love mm. is when you put your needs before someone else's wants yeah that's a great definition but yeah. obviously when it's a situation when it's you have needs mm. and the other person have needs well i guess it's the time to find some kind of compromise yeah 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 and i think doug gabomata says that yeah he, he talks about recently about chronic fatigue being when the body says no and and it's also yes so refer to the anxiety part and so so the technique was the was to stop 
the body being in a fight or flight situation all the time, basically like a dysfunctional, um, like an over overacting amygdala, and because and that was why that was the, that was causing the pain because because when we're in fight or flight all the time, the body shuts down, and that was and and that's what happens, and and also so and and it become, to becoming a self perpetuating cycle. Because I was in pain, because I felt exhausted, I panicked. Is this my life? Is this what's, what's going to happen? So I'd have these negative thoughts, negative feelings, plus pain, and the cycle wouldn't break. So the course helped to break that pattern mm. and to start inducing deep, deep feelings of relaxation. And so meditation is more than relaxation. It's more it's, it's, the stillness is it's much deeper. So so meditation helps you break that fight or flight 24 hours which kind of kills kills you <laughs> yeah because you're not because you're not meant to be in fight or flight all the time i mean it's meant to be like a quick um response to danger but and and and, and then you and then you recover so so the techniques help to break that pattern of being in a constant fight or flight mm. and yeah and and that's why and that's why it was so effective and, but that's why it takes practice because i had to interrupt myself every time I had a panic a thought or a feeling or that oh my god I, I would interrupt that mm. so what you just like change ch change your thought like if you're having a thought you're like no uh, but, I need to have a different thought is yeah, that but, how it but, works so the whole technique mm. which yeah like a whole 20 second program oh wow yeah yeah mm -hmm. to, and do that as often as it was needed so that's why it, it, it was an intense intense work um, but yeah, I guess yeah. if you if you can heal yourself in that way, it's much better than putting drugs inside your body and actually dealing, yeah. actually trying to heal the, the part of your body that needs to be healed. Exactly. Rather than just using a a painkiller to numb pain, because exactly when your body's in pain, it's communicating you like, hey, something's exactly. wrong. Pay attention to me. Exactly. And in yeah. that case, a painkiller would just be a band aid. Mm. it wouldn't address anything where did you was it just like um what kind of pain was it was it just like all it, over kind of it was many my it was my legs and my feet mm. were in constant pain mm. um yeah the, and th that was the main pain and then just utter like if i'd visited friends i'd have to lie down i couldn't yeah. even sit, sit up wow <laughs> yeah it's just yeah I, I, yeah i had to sit down or lie down and not yeah standing was and then, so yeah. how long was that? Did that healing process take? So within, when you started the on first, the course, within the first two, three, after um, when I started on the course, like I started the the, the like the, on the third day, they said they can see a difference in me. You know, I, I look more alive. <laughs> and then, and then when I went home and practiced intensely, um, I think after about two, three months, I was eighty percent recovered. Wow! And then I carried on. Yeah, just just yeah, and I still I, I think I still have a tendency to push push push, and then I stop, mm. and then but 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 I do meditation more, more on a. I'd like to do it more reg, more regularly regularly than I do, but I know whenever I do, it's it's has a profound effect. Yeah, yeah, it is powerful. Yeah, wow, and I think you know. Um, that also that experience as you said it kind of inspired you to change direction in terms of your uh career yes because before you were like constantly working being a uh, photographer but then it kind of allowed this um 
opening and space for you to, um, I guess, pursue. Um, maybe is it? Would you call it your true passion? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I love photography. I will always love photography because it also enabled me to photograph the, the injustice, like human, as uh, human rights photography, and then anim- and photography in abattoirs and battery sheds. So I had exhibitions of to, to expose what was going on. So, so I've used photography um, politically mm-hmm. and for my campaigns. But but um, but actually, ironically, I was sent on a photography job, and through that job, I found a horse who was need, need, who needed rescue. He was standing in knee deep in muck in this industrial center. And um, with the editor, we, we helped to rescue him and take him to a sanctuary. And when I was visiting at the sanctuary, uh, that, that um, she had a magazine um, with a little tiny advert. Do you want to become an animal behaviorist? And and that and that was my epiphany. To yes, this is how I can, because because from from reading Jane Goodall when I was eighteen, I wanted to work with animals, but I didn't know how. Um, I mean, now there, there's so many courses, you know, animal behavior courses. You can do PhDs, but then you know, um, and you know, in the then, then there was nothing. Well, mm-hmm. nothing that I knew of. Anyway, and mm-hmm. and and so I, so so I started to study companion animal behavior. Mm. And now you work as an animal um, behaviorist. Yes, yes. And so, what does that entail? Because I think, because um, you always kind of <laughs> talk about it in the sense, because uh, I'm sure most people hire you because they want to train their. Um, animals to behave that they want them to yeah, exactly. but what you actually do is you know train the humans <laughs> yeah almost is that right yes totally yes I it's, it's about um and I'm still learning you know j- just ways to do it to convince people that the, that the animal that they invite into their home which however they got there that they have very different needs to what as humans we we need we need so, so I try to try so I try to get people to see Life from the animals, from the dog or the cat's perspective, and and often, yeah. So it's about changing the environment, changing the interactions, and changing the expectations, because often as humans we we have huge expectations on dogs or cats, which which is quite unre- often unrealistic. Yeah, you know, we kind of expect them to be per- these perfect beings who. We just happily live with us and and don't and do as they're told yeah and and just behave like a, in a human way not in a dog or cat like way mm. so 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 it's about finding that balance of of helping people just learn fall in love with their animals in, as a dog or, or mm. as a cat with their individual needs because each one will have will be d- unique yeah in what they need <laughs> definitely i think yeah each um animal has its own uh personality and i think um because i I, i've had a dog uh, when i was younger for long you you just they just have their own um character their own way of being and um their own uh preferences absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. and that and that's why they they're fascinating Mm. and yeah yeah and so your your love for uh, animals has also um what inspired you to um, become a vegan as well? Yes, yes. You've been a vegan for how long now? For twenty-seven years. Twenty-seven years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was vegetarian. Um, I was vegetarian um, thanks to some fr- to my friends in Johannesburg, mm-hmm. and then and then and then and then when I moved, to, uh, I think as soon as I moved to to the UK, I just realised, you know, if I really love animals, I need to stop at all. <laughs> 
no, you know, so, so I, I became, I began vegetarian overnight and I became vegan overnight and it was just a huge relief. And it was, you know, like Franz, Franz Kafka said, now that I don't eat you anymore, I can look you in the face. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I felt exactly that, that I felt a peace. Because I used to feel guilty, but still do it. But so now there's no more guilt. I mean, I mean just the sadness that I've not done it earlier, which I think most vegans is that, that they only regret it they didn't do it earlier. Um, but that's, but um, so I became vegan and and just became more, more um, sorry. And in London, I joined London Vegan Campaigns and we started the, uh, the Vegan Pledge, helping people go vegan for a month. But, and, and, that, and, and there's now Veganuary, so hundreds of thousands of people do that. But, but, yeah, but, but I've loved all of the campaigning I've done. I still do school talks, so primary and secondary schools um, on animal rights and veganism. And, and yeah, and, and, that, and that's, that's, yeah, I, I, my, that's, the, that, that's my core being, you know, just, um, and I think I'm very lucky because I'm living, I'm living a life where I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, I think I'm, luck, I'm lucky that I have a passion and, and I'm lucky that I can live it and I'm lucky that, 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 I, that I get to help companion animals um, live wherever I can, you know, help them live a full, full life as much as I can possibly help them. Mm. Yeah. Amazing, Vicky. <laughs> and um, I just want to um, uh, clarify a bit there um, what it actually means to be vegan, because I think veganism is a very hot trend recently. And um, I think it's important to distinguish what it means because some people choose or call themselves vegans, but what they're actually doing is just eating a plant-based diet and maybe doing it for health reasons or, you know, because some some pretty girl on um, Instagram told them that that's what they should do, you know. So um, can you clarify that, that distinction for us a bit? There is a difference. So, yeah, so as you said, plant-based eaters focus on diet and then and they might be just not 100% strict because it's about diet and it's not about um, the animals or the environment or, yeah, it's more about just um, it's a good thing to do. But when you go vegan, so vegan implies it's a, it's a lifestyle, and so 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 and not, so not consuming any animal products or the or the produce of you know like the secretions you know like milk or dairy honey, or anything like that, and not not wearing any animal products, and and as far as possible and and not kind of engaging in entertainment related to animals. So and nothing that involves animal use or exploitation. And, but the vegan societies, their definition is as far as practical and possible, because in our society, like we can't avoid. So, so I, I will buy where I can, where, where I can only products that are not tested on animals, but but um, like drugs always tested on animals. And while I try and avoid drugs as much as I can, you know, if if my life was dependent on it, then I, I would have a drug. Um, and so, and so, so it's not possible to be. 100% vegan, but so, so but I do the vegan society's definition as far as practical and possible. I do it, mm. yeah, um, yeah, and and that's the difference. And then so 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 generally vegans who go vegan, um, do it for the animals. So it's the envir- animals, so animal suffering first and foremost, but, but but it naturally helps the environment, naturally helps 
world hunger, naturally, if, if you're a healthy vegan, then it helps your health. You know, and, I mean, even if you're junk vegan, the, the junk food vegan, it's still better for your health than, than a meat-based diet. So, so, um, but, but, but a lot of people who go vegan for, a, I mean, I don't know the percentages, but mm -hmm. some people who go vegan for the, for the health, then find out about what happens to the animals and then go fully vegan. So that's happened. I've heard quite a few stories about that. And that's, and that's encouraging. So I don't mind the initial, I don't care what the reason people do go vegan or plant-based is, as long as they keep discovering what's really going on and then maintain it. Mm. So yeah. So even if going for the for the environment, yeah, that, mm. that's great as long as it's as long as it continues. Yeah. yeah. And how um, has it been for you to um, implement a vegan lifestyle? Was it hard? Is it is it more convenient now? I've always found it easy because I've always cooked for myself. You know, I've never so so the food is there. The, the you know the nuts, the seeds, the grains, the vegetables, and the fruits. Always there, and and um, what what's easier is going if you going out, if you go out to restaurants. I mean, there's more awareness. So even like the the you know so even Pizza Express will have a vegan menu. You know, so so, so it's much easier for going out, and the, because of the awareness. And so and more restaurants will will have will just try and include more as as opposed to just one, maybe slightly vegan option. Or you know, um, they, they'll have this, there's a much more choice. And for people who, who, who want to have replicas of fake meats, there, there's that. And that's, I don't, you know, that's fine. You know, I, I think there's, there's, what for, there's something for everybody who, 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 who needs to have whatever they need. So it's, so it's, you know, and especially when you live in a city, it's really easy. Um, and if you cook for yourself, then it's really easy wherever you are. Mm. Yeah, ho home cooked food is is the best. Yeah, because yeah. then you know exactly what you're putting in exactly, there. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> um, and just looking back um, on all the kind of challenges that you've shared, and I think I probably mentioned it already, but just your uh, your your resilience. And your continued just compassion, not just for humanity, but for um, animals. Like, where does that come from? Because, um, you know, we've kind of heard this term quite a few times about like, oh, hurt people hurt people, you know, like or if someone is maybe, you know, hurtful or disrespectful it's like oh but you know they had a rough childhood or you know they went through traumatic experiences that's why they're you know they're they 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 behave in a hurtful way to to others but then when I listen to you like you've experienced you've had a rough childhood you've experienced trauma but yet you're like one of the most compassionate caring people that I know so uh, you know, I'm kind of very curious, like how, how how does one person go in one direction and another person in in a completely opposite direction? And it's hard to know exactly why, but um, I mean, I mean, I know since since about three, I've loved animals, and so, so maybe it comes from caring caring about something, some beings other than myself from tiny tiny. Maybe it's that that that's that sense of empathy and compassion towards them and, may, and maybe because that's that's consistent throughout my life 
and 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 I became much more aligned with it as I became vegetarian and vegan. I became more aligned with with my mm-hmm. empathy towards them. So, uh, so, do you think it's actually something that 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 a person is born with? I think it's probably and 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 it's probably a combination of born with and 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 having somebody in your life from a child. Because I know that the studies that show that children can learn empathy like when they're little. And and maybe because because I had because my, my sister I mean my, I know my sister was very attached to me when I was very little so maybe I had that from her I didn't have it from my mother and and my father wasn't really around but but I had it from her so maybe I was lucky in that she she I mean and and uh, yeah she, she she loved me so may I, so, so I had love from her mm. um, and even though we were separated a lot of the time different schools different whatever but 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 I had had that initial input from her so, so so probably a combination mm. of a good experience with one family member mm-hmm. and and just this innate love of of animals yeah and I think what what you t- said before just this kind of fight for justice yeah for everyone yeah yeah because when you feel that yeah injustice you want to make it right exactly yeah mm. and, and so so for me it helped having that injustice towards me because then I, then I could empathize with right. what's happening to, to the people who worked for my mother. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then it kind of... Yeah, and then it stayed. It stayed. And when I went to school, yeah, I asked called terms because I wasn't a racist. So, mm-hmm. so they... So, so um, and most of the kids were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so... So what they... They made fun of you because yeah. you weren't racist. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is twisted. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And also, so also use, um, also, I started to write children's books also to, to, to share, yeah. to share my love of, um, to, to, to help, to help, I want, I want children also to start thinking of all these issues in different ways through companion animal books and veganism and mastama. So I'm in the process, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a really great idea to um to do children's books because um because our minds are so impressionable yeah. and you want you want to present them with something with something positive. Yeah. 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 Wow, yeah. that's amazing, Vicky. Where <laughs> we've got our our hour is up or we could <laughs> the, well, there's just so many things there you know so many different things to talk about and go even deeper with and understand more but um just to wrap up um just uh, to ask you my um key questions and so looking back on all of the challenges that you've had what do you think were the key practices that helped you to uh, to overcome ch- th- those challenges and then um, attain success. I think what's been consistent is that I've always I've always looked for, for courses to help me to recover from certain things. So with my summering, I looked for a course to recover and I, and I learned techniques. And if one didn't work, that then I event- maybe a few years later I went on another one. And um, and 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 then I also started. What also helped me is singing, singing in choirs, singing in an opera group, because singing with beautiful music with an orchestra is is the most incredible high you can ever imagine. <laughs> and meditation, where it's tai chi or or, or 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 sitting meditation or meditation with nature, 
um, that that those that's really helped me as well. Um, and yeah, and, and with the, with the MES, I said, of course, where I learned loads of techniques, to to and, and also, and also techniques that helped me to challenge um, my, my my thinking. So like through NLP techniques, you know, challenging catastrophic thinking, ch just challenging, just challenging my thoughts and helping to reframe my thoughts. That that's mm. so all all of those things in, in nature, swimming in the sea, walking in the mountains. Yeah, mm -hmm. th those are all things which have I think have helped me and writing writing's helped me as well mm. yeah so yeah. like um educating yourself expressing yourself yeah having ways to ground yourself yeah get still yes yeah, yeah. so powerful yeah and um what do you value most and how do you put it into practice um i value most helping animals and and so I do that with my vegan lifestyle, with um, the school talks that I do, campaigning where I can, and writing books. Um, and yeah, because the books introduce the core concepts. So so yeah, so speaking up, writing and um, campaigning, mm. and for 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 injustice for injustice. And actually, Thomas Engel he started the. I think the Massachusetts um, um, Royal Society for Protection of Animals in the 1800s, and and he and people are said to him, said to him, why, why do you spend so much of your time and money helping animals when there's so much injustice to people?" And he he replied, I, "I'm working at the roots," mm. and that really resonated with me because animals are the ones with the least voice, or the least voice that we and so so helping them. To, as, as a natural progression to helping the rest of society because when you help the most vulnerable then because they're the ones who need the most help then mm. then, then then society can that will naturally help everybody else mm. wow <laughs> that's really powerful um well, i just want to go slightly deeper in terms of values because um with that question um i want to understand like how to practice um, certain values. So I think would the value out of that be compassion, empathy? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. So so I value yeah. I value that yeah. I value compassion and empathy beyond any, every everything mm -hmm. else, and justice, mm -hmm. and justice and freedom. Yeah, for everyone, for every living being, every living being has a need to be free. Yeah, and to and to, and to be able to live their lives according to the lives that that they have to live their lives according to their fullest potential every mm. living being has that need absolutely and, and that's and that's yeah so if someone is like struggling with compassion and uh, and uh, and empathy how would you like in those kind of small everyday ways how can we tune into empathy and compassion i think each person um if they find whatever is meaningful to them, whatever that whatever whatever appeals to them, whether it's helping a child, helping an older person, helping different 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 groups of people, I think if they can just and if they ha have no time or their life is too busy, just doing one little thing, starting off once a week, once a month, once a day, and it can take two minutes, and I th I, th I think and and then the, the more the more even even just a smile at somebody just. Compassion doesn't have to be like this big thing. It can be just little building blocks. 
and and just think and starting to read about or learn about other people and and their lives and or, or whatever appeals to them you know the planet other people children animals any any aspect that everyone needs everyone's hurting and needing and and that nothing i think that can start the process of that it's it feel it feels i mean because compassion also helps yourself you know and that's not the aim of it but it naturally helps you feel you feel you feel i, th- I think i'm sure everybody just feel better when you're helping others there's a book um uh, stop thinking and start living with about people with depression and he says the, the the minute you start helping others you'll start to feel better and so 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 that so just helping in any way however small however short amount of time writing a letter sending a postcard saying i'm thinking about you today just anything will to to get you thinking of somebody else will help will help you mm-hmm. will help us yeah yeah that's so powerful i really i really love that that you said that cuz yeah, when you hear about like all the things happening in the world, it just seems so big. And it's like, oh my gosh, what, what, what can I do? And yeah, I love that. It's just, it's all about those small mm. steps, small actions, small things. And then over time, they'll just accumulate and it'll just be a way of life, really. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've noticed it in lockdown, you know, people playing music out of their streets, out of their homes for other people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, if they like that kind of music, yeah. they'll be like, turn for that sh- off. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's very personal, personal taste. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the 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 uh, the spirit of generosity the was there. <laughs> the intention. <laughs> All right, this is amazing, Vicky. Thank you so much. Um, I've loved having this conversation, and you know, there's, you know, I wish we could go a bit deeper into everything. So we might have to have some separate um, conversations so we can tackle each aspect um, in more depth. It's my biggest pleasure. And yeah, if actually, if anybody would like to find out a bit more about you um, and what you do, where's the best place to find you? I have a website, um, happydogsandcats.co.uk. Okay. And that's about my, that's my animal behavior work. Brilliant. And, and that's a good place to start. Fantastic. I'll, I'll make sure to include that link. Thank you so much, Vicky. This has been pl- great. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, please remember to subscribe. And if you think that this episode could benefit someone, um, please uh, share it and catch you next time. Mm-hmm.